11, and we're here with the whole crew, uh, the young political wing representatives. I was going to call you guys elitists, but <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, uh, there's been a lot of stuff happening nationally and internationally this week, and uh, plenty of fodder for discussion. Uh, we'll kick it off with the visit of uh, Hillary Clinton to a packed, sold-out, oh, no, not actually, um, <laughs> auditorium in Auckland. Uh, did any of you guys go see Hillary? Hell no. Suffice to say, it didn't have $490 in my back pocket. Couldn't yeah. afford it, unfortunately. Yeah. No. <laughs> but um, anybody, anybody hear any feedback or uh, know anybody who did go? Or um, I, I read a spin-off review. That's the closest <laughs> I can get. Oh yeah, they got a free ticket. Yeah, they did get a free ticket, <laughs> and um, apparently it was quite lackluster, not very genuine, and didn't. Um, they said what? Hillary Clinton, <laughs> not very genuine. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't read about it, but apparently that's what it was. And it does. Um, the tour that she was doing and the kind of talk she was doing does was expected to at least, I think was advertised as following on from her book, What Happened, which covers, you know, being the, (laughs) being uh, a real uh, candidate, you know, for um, the first female president and the kind of loss that happened and and what happened to the election period and Donald Trump becoming president. Um, And apparently the talk didn't really discuss this a lot. There wasn't a lot of talk about the actuality of Donald Trump being president or where to go from here, how women should rise up in the ranks. I heard an excerpt, I think, on national radio from the speech, and it was the most, like, vapid, Mm. buzzword, cookie-cutter political speech you could imagine. Like, we've got to stick up for our community and blah, blah. I mean, it's like, who's going to pay $490 to listen to Hillary Clinton deliver sort of a a poem of buzzwords? (laughs) Um, Yeah, shocking, eh? But it sounds like it didn't really sell very well. Um, no. They were giving out free tickets, and yeah, um, people I know all got free tickets. Oh, <laughs> so, so you knew some people who went? Knew two people who went and said it was amazing, but also like that it was just amazing to see her in the flesh. Like, yeah. otherwise it wasn't like that. It's amazing. Our our potential future overlord. Yeah. Interesting to hear that she still hasn't learned her lesson because I think a very large part of why she lost the election is that a lot of her political discourse just became a whole lot of buzzword. Well, when this tour nonsense rather than actually articulating an argument and treating the opposite side as though yeah. they actually have any case to make. When when this tour ends up uh, financially in the red, maybe she will get the message because uh, <laughs> if this is anything to go by, I mean, I don't know how much of a following she still commands in the uh, liberal states, but. Even the American liberals are sick of her, from what yeah. I can understand. But I, th- I, th- I think she's the Simon Bridges of the Demo- of, of the American Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's only really the party that likes her, and no one else does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Simon Bridges. We'll be talking about him in a little bit. Um, and uh, I, I guess we'll we'll just quickly note the latest Simon Bridges headline uh, related to our discussion uh, from last week a little bit. Uh, that he he liked a Clark Gayford rumor tweet and then <laughs> unliked it. Uh, so that's Simon Bridges for you. Stand by your liking of tweets, man. Come on. Uh, but uh, you know, it wasn't incest. Point. <laughs> okay. 
I don't you. know that reference. Um, <laughs> Ted Cruz. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, oh, he liked us? Oh, yeah, God. He, he, like, liked he liked a, a, liked a video, like an actual video of, of pornography, and it showed up on Twitter feeds. It's like, Ted Cruz likes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, Simon. You've got so much more to give. Yeah, you know, Simon's career is just starting. He'll be liking tweets all over the show. Um, we should do a deep dive into what tweets he has liked, actually. Uh, team. But anyways, uh, Hillary's not the president. Donald Trump is. And uh, he's throwing his weight around like a 50-pound gorilla in the international... 50 pounds is very generous <laughs> I don't know I'm just Close making shit up uh, but he you know he yes he's he's throwing his weight around with a different more apt metaphor to follow and uh, he's he's tearing up the diplomatic scene um with not a lot of diplomacy uh, and from what I heard from the talk that Hillary did give in New Zealand is that it didn't offer much hope for a for a post-Trump world or the possibility of someone rising up and changing what kind of scenario is happening right now in America. There wasn't much confronting what's going on in America and for charging an insane price for ticketing to hear a significant p woman in politics, you know, regardless of whether you like her politics or not or what she stands for, she did get very, very far for a mm, woman in America. Sure, of course. And there wasn't much to be given in terms of hope, which is uh, very sad. Well, she was just here to spec out her uh, prepper bomb shelter because it's all going down. <laughs> That's another conspiracy <laughs> we can talk about. Apparently, the global elite, you know, have uh, little chalets in That's New Zealand. That's not a conspiracy. That's just a. That's just a <laughs> fact. I mean, Peter Thiel, uh, Matt Lauer. <laughs> To escape their uh, various persecution. David Cameron? James Cameron. Oh, James Cameron. Yeah, <laughs> right. uh, I was like, what's going on here? Um, but Trump pulled out of the Iran nuclear accord. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. People are trying to figure out what this actually means. Um, Israel's really stoked about it and rubbing their hands together and uh, mobilizing for, um, well, what they would say is defense and what some would say appears to be offense. But what do you guys think are the implications of this uh, Iran pullout? Uh, specifically, though, also, you know, for New Zealand, because New Zealand has always um, walked a fine line between the sort of uh, Eastern and Western superpowers, uh, given our geographical position in the world. Um, you know, we have a free trade deal with China. We're working on one with Russia. Well, now we aren't, but maybe we are. Uh, and of course, you know, we're, you know, sucking up for brownie points with the U.S. wherever we can get them, regardless who's in the administration. So uh, when we get a bully as the U.S. president that no one likes, but we're still kind of uh, wedded to the idea that we have to suck up to the U.S. military industrial establishment, um, you know, this means that, like, you know, our happy, diplomatic, loving everyone sort of routine isn't going to work anymore. Like, we can't sell wool and dairy technology to Iran uh, if Trump's going to go hard line. And um, how much of a market was Iran making? Up? <laughs> well, in uh, Mosgiel specifically, there's a couple of technology firms that employ like over a hundred people actually doing yeah wool and dairy technology Mosgiel. to Iran. Yeah, that's wow. why. Yeah, that's that, that's the only reason I mentioned it, just because I've read about it in the ODT before and stuff. But but uh, yeah, I mean, 
if they continue to do business, if they receive independent legal advice that, oh, screw Trump, he's a, you know, this is not following international law. Well, of course it isn't, but that doesn't mean if they continue, you know, poor little Mazgiel, tech farmer, uh, continues to do business with the Islamic Republic of Iran, that uh, they will then go on some list, uh, you know, to at least be sanctioned themselves, or who knows what, I mean... Trump hasn't even gotten his feet wet with the drone program yet, so uh, uh, I don't know. What What do you guys think? Is this is this just uh, is this just posturing? Are we going to see significant geopolitical shifts? Is this the beginning of World War Three? Uh, is Hillary still here hiding? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's absolutely crazy that um, the U.S. is pulling out of this nuclear deal because it's the sort of deal that they'll be looking for with North Korea. With the thawing of North Korean and U.S. Uh, tensions, they're going to need international like regulation and to make sure that North Korea follows through on not um, producing more nuclear weapons and disarming. And so this is what was set up with Iran, and it wasn't detrimental to the U.S. So to do this is absolute craziness. It's just rolling back things Obama's done. And I think it probably speaks to the um, the uselessness and the impotence of Congress at the moment because they didn't um, ratify that executive order so it's an executive order can like pull it back out mm -hmm. uh, it's just it's absolutely inane and insane inane I wonder I mean what's the difference between Nains. South Korea and Iran it's like there's North Korea uh, yeah sorry <laughs> North, North, North Korea and Iran it's almost as if there's something about the Iranians that like Trump is um, particularly prejudiced against. <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe their religion, perhaps. Um, yeah. I think it's more just that he's in the pocket of Israel. Yeah. Well, that's for sure. Yeah. I think uh, you, you see, especially uh, kind of in, 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 in the states in particular, they do tend to bow to Israel quite a lot because yep. a lot of the political influence in the state come in the states comes from there, and a lot of the financial backings. In There's there. a lot of lobbying, yes, from mm. the state of Israel and the evangelical lobbying. Christian community, which is a very influential voter block in the U.S. is sort of you know wedded to this biblical yeah. idea of Israel and the rapture and all mm. of that, and even to the point of wanting to speed up the apocalypse because <laughs> that's going to be good for them. And <laughs> for everyone else so uh, which is really strange uh, for for you know the state of Israel to be embracing that because in that narrative the Jews actually also get sort of uh, killed and, yeah. and the Christians then uh, get to inherit Israel but I mean this this biblical prophecy stuff this really kind of um, plays into Trump's worldview mm. and and that of his base. I, mean, um, I don't think it's his. I think that it's what he plays on right. for his base. Sure, I mean, of course. Re realistically speaking, he's shown very little kind of religion himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, well, he certainly hasn't followed the Ten Commandments, yeah. has he? Uh, mm. uh, I mean, the, the whole thing's kind of a mess because, as as you know, the original sort of the catalyst that kicked the whole thing off was. Netanyahu just giving an amateurish sort of presentation showing some videos of some compounds yeah. that he claimed was Iran far exceeding what they're, they're uh, allowed. That's right, but it was so process. obviously like basically Trump had announced I'm gonna be you know withdrawing from this thing I'm, I'm still deciding then Netanyahu comes out with this amateurish presentation mm -hmm. of oh yep here's the evidence that you know it's like this 
very ham-fisted. Um, Felt like a high school presentation <laughs> you know, with a little PowerPoint on the Wii stand-up well, projector. And, but, but this way that they're both sort of um, taking themselves outside of even the NATO countries and um, just kind of having this um, quite clearly contrived you know, geopolitical media assists mm. of each other. Like, oh, we didn't unilaterally nuke Iran. <laughs> it was this and that. And mm. even though no other countries agreed with us, um, that that's what I see kind of um, taking shape. Israel has done an, more airstrikes in Syria, uh, well, actually during the announcement. Um, but as of yet, you know, we haven't seen, very similar to the previous ones, a, a quick thing. Nobody seems to retaliate. Uh, Netanyahu uh, was in Moscow uh, immediately after the announcement. Um, So we'll have to see how this plays out over the next couple of days. But I I would say it's significant. You know, I mean, basically, uh, this is around the time of... um, the presidency when you know everybody's kind of like oh maybe trump's not that bad uh we we can survive this you know the american institutions are not so fragile as to break down under you know one idiot tyrant um but then of course you have some sort of catalyst event uh like we saw under the last uh you know supposed uh dictatorish idiot tyrant which now we look back very nostalgically on and I'm talking about George W. Bush (laughs) Um, and uh, nobody thought you know he was a total lame duck nobody thought he could go anywhere Uh, despite you know whatever Iraq invasion plans or police state plans he would have liked to implement uh, of course he would have had no ability to do any of that uh, if it wasn't for you know that certain moment when all of America got behind even this idiot president for whatever reason and so uh you know those uh that kind of event can occur and you know if you were trump you'd kind of be uh angling for that kind of event to occur classic wag the dog um you know if stormy daniels uh is breathing down your neck go start a war with some uh (laughs) country but preferably not one with nukes i mean um yeah whatever happened to albania i think that was the one in the movie but um yeah yeah We'll play some music, we'll come back, (laughs) we'll talk about uh, domestic politics, and uh, we'll make fun of Simon Bridges uh, (laughs) all around the spectrum. You're on the one, (laughs) 91 FM. (laughs) Stay tuned. You're on the one. 91 FM politics. Now we come to domestic politics. Uh, and we don't have the same big, you know, uh, potential nuclear problems here in New Zealand. Well, we're nuclear free. Uh, but we do have the, uh, you know, who was once someone's fetus, Simon Bridges, leading the National Party. Wow. Yes. So, what's the latest, guys? I'm not in on the, the National Party is dumb gas. It looks like um, he's still kind of coated in the afterbirth. <laughs> 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 too, too much. <laughs> I'll, I'll fill you in just before Viv gets in his piece. Um, so, what happened was there was supposed to be a, uh, a government meeting, oh, not a government meeting, a, um, a parliamentary meeting, the Select Committee for Business, 
and uh, all the members apart from one who missed the memo that they were all going to walk out did not attend the meeting and it was uh, it's been touted as one of the senior National Party MPs as a boycott uh, of Trevor Mallard and his awful job as Speaker of the House, they're saying that h- the way he conducts matters is just doesn't doesn't work for the National Party. Even bad though, time, you know, like oh, pretty bad. Even though the National Party has been delegated a pretty substantial amount of questions, more so than they're used to for a while, especially in the opposition party. Yeah, that's what happens when you have mm. 56 MPs. You're entitled to So what happens when you throw your questions. toys out of the cot and you need to be, you need to get a dummy stuck in your mouth, and that's what the speaker's done. So they have boycotted the speaker's very fair and equal treatment of the National Party, and they did not attend a meeting which they should have attended. But Jerry Brownlee, God save us all, has uh, gone out and said, no, 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 it was not a boycott. No, it was just a conflicting meeting, I think. What, what, uh, do we know what the meeting yeah. was about? What, what? The meeting was just about the general business of the House. So of the, of the Business Select Committee. Business yeah, so business it was only the members of the Business Select Committee yeah. who were meeting. Yes, um, which was quite a few um, senior National Party four MPs. National MPs. Yes. Four, and, and one still went by accident. <laughs> And Holly. Yeah, she's the deputy speaker, so she still went along. Um, she's deputy speaker because of a, a numbers muck up earlier on in the year. Mm. Um, but it was quite entertaining. Uh, but yeah, it's essentially uh, they want to boycott, I think, the point that Trevor Mallard has been useless in question time. So what's happened is National's got a whole lot of questions, and that's awesome. But when you're asking a question, you don't get an answer. And the speaker's not going to stop and like, the, ask. The, the speaker's supposed to hold the yeah. person answering the question to account. They, have to, they are allowed to get them to stand back up again and actually answer the question. Yeah. They don't believe it's been answered. So and Trevor Mallard's not doing that because Labour is his mates. Yeah, and he just, I think he can be bothered. Like, if you watch him in question time, he just sort of doesn't seem to be overly enthused. He likes it, he's enjoying it, but he just, like, just wants to get it over. Because it. previous speakers, despite their political alignments, have really gotten serious about the role yeah. and thought, like, you know, this is this is my opportunity to go beyond party politics and yeah. become like a, you know, a adjudicator of both sides, essentially, but yeah. Trevor's not embracing no, the role. If you look back to someone like David Carter um, recently, <laughs> it was reasonably, reasonably onto it when it came to holding even his own party to account to answering questions, and it's sort of a it's sort of just like a parliamentary process. Like, I mean, I mean you da- David Carter like. was pretty trash, but that doesn't excuse... Uh, and any of the speakers being Isn't trash. The, yeah. the English speaker, I want to get him in. I love him. The speaker of the house in yeah, the UK what's, what's parliament. <laughs> what's his name? I love him. He just, he I just, he's, 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 as always, night. excellent input from the, <laughs> from the party. Yeah. Yeah. Still gets a question. Yeah. <laughs> but I would like to say, I think, um, to critique the speaker, I think it's very subjective, because I've watched a number of question times as well, and I've, yeah. and, I Love understand. I represent. Yeah. <laughs> I represent a party, as do you, Viv. Yeah. But I've watched, and I've been quite impressed by um, how seriously he does take the role. I think maybe it's his personal characteristics, which might co- might come off as a bit yeah. more relaxed. Maybe when it comes to holding members to account, I do not think it is biased in any way, shape, or form. I think he's doing done a very good job. I think a um, number of pundits have um, praised him for his um, pretty fair treatment of the house. I think this is just another example of National taking any opportunity to be absolutely petty and just um, cause a bit of drama. Was the Simon Bridges... Are we going to see some churn in the National Party leadership now, uh, like we saw with Labour over those hapless years, um, you know, in not-so-distant memory? Like, Simon Bridges doesn't seem to be betting in quickly enough or forcefully enough to not be uh, having the knives come out for him. 
what do you mean? So like, well, he's just um, I he people don't seem to like him. He's kind of dumb. He's not putting his mark <laughs> on the party in a way that's not going to prevent yeah, national and that awful voice. Well, just I mean, what's going to prevent national from seeing a couple of bad polls and just booting him? Well, they're um, not seeing bad polls so far. Well, we haven't seen so. any. We haven't seen any bad polls. I think if you're, what you'll see is if we do drop into like the mid 30s, there'll definitely be a question around it. Yeah. But um, with Simon as the leader, he's really holding that base national vote, and he's probably the the best person for the job currently. And he's got the support of his caucus. He's got support of the wider party. And I think what we're looking to do is have a prime minister in waiting and to build him up over the years until we're back in government. In okay. While the so, right going to take some building up. While the right block is held by one party, which is a party of the... A broad the church. Ever, it's, a, it's a broad church of values. Uh, it's two, two parties, though. The conservatives <laughs> and the ones that kind of... They, they, want, they want the happy medium. They want what's happening now. They like the status quo. They don't want to progress in a certain way. People who are happy with how New Zealand is now, they don't need anyone particularly interesting. They don't need anyone who's going to push the boundaries. And they certainly have that in Simon Bridges, who is not pushing any boundaries and is the most, mm. I think, every man that you could get... Yeah. yeah. Oh, his background's pretty incredible, though. If you think about Simon Bridges being a, a Crown Prosecutor, the youngest of six children coming out of West Auckland, um, and, like, Oxford educated, he's an incredible man. And, I don't know, people sort of always take him down a few... Does he read as an incredible man? What's that? Does he read as an incredible man? Definitely. You're saying people take him down a peg because of his just accent. Just because of his accent. And just because <laughs> of like a few basic social things. It's what like, is his accent? Choice that, what, I, have, what, I haven't that picked up an accent. I have picked up just kind of a New Zealand accent. an adequacy Boy, of his character. What is his accent? I don't know. I, yeah, I haven't he's heard. just got a classic Auckland accent. It's oh, like yeah. a West Auckland accent. I think a few people sort of don't take him as seriously just because of that. Yeah. And there's the same bias against Bill English, even within the National Party being a Southlander rolling his eyes. Oh, the thing is that it's, it's yeah. actually a decision they make because they, they receive speech training. I mean, the first budget that Bill English did, he read it beautifully. His articulation was perfect and he, he, he spoke it very well and he never did it like that again. So I, I theorise that they have run it by all the focus groups and things and they've found that their core supporters don't like their politicians to be articulate. I'm, I'm quite a fan of speech standards and I, I, I think it's a bit of a sad indictment of the state of things but the same kind of goes for John Key where he he must have known that he sounded atrocious but then all the focus groups I imagine they prefer their politicians to sound just like Well it's, it's blokey and relatable. Uh, he sounds so small they want someone who sounds like their cousin yeah. or their neighbour. You neighbor, a barbecue yeah. with him? Uh, <laughs> someone you can have a beer with. <laughs> yeah, that's what they want. They don't want some kind of elitist. So I don't no. think the accent's been any... any. If Julianne Genter can fix her accent surely Simon oh. Bridges can fix his. Well you, you know what happened to Julianne Genter. Uh, yeah. That's the only reason she's not co-leader with that bloody accent. Yeah. Uh, now she's doing really good things internally in the party, um, which she I can't currently so, share. No. But um, anyway, um, I wanted to go back internally. to a point that Bonnie raised earlier um, about National this. being the largest um, party on the right, and there not really being any other parties apart from Act. Mm. And recently, Simon Bridges has 
been unwilling to confirm that he will support and the National Party will support ACT in Epsom next election, which I think is oh, a very oh. interesting and politically stupid decision if he doesn't. Because yeah, well, David Seymour like is smarter than Simon Bridges, so I can see how he would like not want to. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a ridiculous thing anyway because he he says that as though. I mean, th there's is this common perception that ACT only holds Epsom because National lets it. But the reality is that when ACT first took Epsom, National was tightly contending it, and they were actually making an effort to win the seat. And after they were beaten and humiliated by ACT in, the, <laughs> in that seat, getting beaten by such a small party in such a kind of traditionally National voting seat, they started making the agreement so it looked like it was coming from them and obviously that's worked because now people tend to think that oh act only in parliament because national lets yeah. them be and in so 2005 and a lot has changed between uh, what act had to offer then and now yeah fair, that is fair true. Enough. I, I think that the epson voters they they like the feeling of having their own person rather than just body. just another yeah like just just another national list MP or just another mm -hmm. national electorate MP they've got their own bring John Banks out of hiding and start the Epsom party yeah <laughs> uh. but, but the thing is if ACT doesn't get into parliament next election um, who is national going to work with yeah. unless they get more than 50% of the vote they are <laughs> <Brains>. not <laughs> no uh. um, unless your environmental and social record improves drastically in the next two years that's not going to happen mm. um, but then they need a coalition partner and if they if ACT doesn't get in they're screwed yeah, and I, th I think that's the thing as well. Like, mathematically, it would make no sense uh -huh. to try and oust ACT because yeah. ACT is pretty much guaranteed to side with National. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and if, if if we get an electorate, then it also allows the with the coattails for hey, us to get more let's see, of lower percentage. Let's uh, crap on New Zealand first a little bit. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> they're not in the room. Uh, <laughs> Feels good. Yeah. What, what's happening with Winston? I mean, he's he he kind of is. Um, he's got a billion dollars. He's pretty stoked. <laughs> he, he's he seems like he's like chomping at the bit to be the prime minister coming up in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, I he's mean, pretty excited, I'd say. Yeah, he's been he's been waiting for it for his like twenty thirty years now, hasn't he? Yeah, two hundred years he's been in parliament. <laughs> <laughs> and now you know it's weird because. New Zealand, you know, in this strange um, geopolitical times that we discussed earlier, seems like a bastion of stability. We're so progressive and liberal with our unmarried pregnant prime minister. And, um, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. if World War Three does pop off, we're going to be a bastion of sanity without a Trump-like politician. Except for about six weeks uh, coming up kind of soon around the time that all this geopolitical stuff is heating up. Uh, well, I, I think to equate Winston and Trump is unfair. Winston is not as bad as Trump. And I think people don't realize that Winston has been acting prime minister before. Like, whenever Jacinda leaves the country, he is acting prime minister. So And he didn't launch the nukes then. He, he didn't. So. Well, <laughs> yeah, all of the nukes we have. <laughs> Um, people, are three planes. Like, people <laughs> like to pretend that when he becomes acting prime minister, suddenly he's going to have the reins of the country, as if he's going to bypass all of Parliament, and you know he's going to launch some nukes, he's going to make some wars, and, you know it's going to be all at the at the whim of Winston, which is totally untrue. We're still going to have the same Parliament. We're going to have our blessed MMP system, yeah. and like just because we've got a new face for about what a month? Yeah, a month. Six That's weeks, right? Six yeah. weeks. It's not going to change anything. 
people might just find it a little bit more amusing. What do you? Yeah, it's. Am- I find it amusing. What do you guys think? <laughs> um, I don't like Winston Peters. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm looking uh, for. Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty well, common opinion. Like you know, like just like if he just wasn't the prime minister, that'd be lovely. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's not going to change that much. No. no. What are your guys' really predictions? Any like predictions for Winston's six weeks? Um, bring back the Economic Stabilisation Act from Robert Muldoon era. I don't think that'd get the votes to pass. <laughs> um, I don't think anything too crazy is going to happen unless something happens on the geopolit- like on the world stage. Uh, I think it's going to be business as usual. Um, yeah. Or, you know, um, bold business as usual. I think the, the reality is that Winston Peters' greatest asset is his skill as an orator but realistically he is quite inept i mean there are uh, all the accounts of him showing up to the cabinet meetings with all the briefings that they were meant to have read beforehand still kind of compl- not even opened with the ribbon tied around and the seal unbroken it's just kind of embarrassing to be honest and embarrassing i find to think that he's going to be the face of the country for a while but at least he's a decent orator mm. hopefully something funny will happen that's all i, I think so. that's, that's my biggest prediction like, yeah. i think he's gonna make some kind of you know um insult to someone it's going to be a headline he's going to be just acting like winston does which is a blustery old man that people love to hate and that's what's going to be for six weeks before our lord and savior returns (laughs) (laughs) returns to parliament yeah Yeah. we'll see like when you know you maybe it's not fair to equate winston with trump but both winston and trump are the kind of politicians that you know say if they were interacting on an official level representing the United States and New Zealand it could quite easily just go off the rails at random you know just with like descending to personal insults or something don't don't you think that um uh, Trump and Winston might but like it's hard to tell with those kind of strong egotistical male personalities. I still still think Winston has got a political head on his shoulders he's been in parliament for 30 years or whatever and you don't 40 and you don't stay in parliament that long without knowing when to you know cut back on the jokes and insults Mm -hmm. okay but but it could happen yeah the greens that's a a strong defense of winston from the greens (laughs) he's got some sense at some point otherwise he wouldn't be here yeah that's right should we talk about the um tax returns for the election that just came by sure yes party spending yes so i think how it ranked (laughs) (laughs) is that um national topped the ranks they had the most spending on the election uh, top came in second yeah. with the second most spending. Then it was Labour. 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 Then it was the Greens. I Greens. Yeah. Suppose yeah. So. yeah. I think the Greens were about <laughs> what, like eight hundred thousand or something. Was that who? The Greens. Uh, yeah, probably something like yep. that. Yep. I don't know. Well, I, I stopped reading yeah. after I saw Labour. Greens were about <laughs> eight hundred. Acts were about eight hundred. Uh, Labour was about two point two. Top yeah. was about two point three. Yeah. And, and National was. So wow, yeah. Yeah. that's a fuck ton of money. Yeah, that's <laughs> a fair amount. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I can I can confirm that all of Top's money basically went on Facebook advertising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed the Top's campaigning. I'm I thought it was yeah. really engaging. All the people who were in Top were really cool. They were the people yeah. you would want. They on seemed your really cool. Team. But yeah. look at the results. Uh, yeah. Oh, they do need to be the face of the party because yeah. as much as Facebook advertisements can titillate and really entertain and yeah. actually actually inform. When you've got bloody Gareth Morgan, Gareth Morgan at the front the of the party, like, terrible comment out there. It just doesn't work. That's just going to make your hand shake in the ballot box. You're going to tick somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. But you know, I mean, this is this is the the 
the uh, double-edged sword of top. Like, um, you know, if, say, you were to give $2.3 million to a political party, it would probably be a little bit fair that you would want, you know, some sort of say and even a little bit of control over the spending. And, you know, it doesn't mean you need to go full egotistical but he, um, he was on the board though wasn't he? he's pre- president of the party as well as leader of the party oh dude like, I mean, yeah so like, he could have just been on the board and yeah. not been the face of the party yeah that's how labor works they just yeah, force the face of the party to do what they want to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah i don't know i mean it's it's uh you know yeah it's it's a tough uh, I've been in a lot of political parties, uh, some better funded than others, and uh, <laughs> you know every every bit of political funding comes with its baggage of one kind or another. Mm. And it's better to to have the funding than not have the funding if you're you know fight it'd be like fighting with one hand tied behind your back. Yeah. I think it um, goes back to the the same old issue of why the hell do we have a five percent threshold? Oh, the, the, we've had yeah. reports that have yeah. said that that mm. should not exist. That would make ACT a lot safer. Yeah, it wouldn't make ACT any safer. Though, no, that's true. You guys no. are below the one MP. Yeah. It would have made top safe. If you yeah. had a two percent threshold, you would yeah. have got it. But the recommendation is a four percent threshold yeah. from the electoral commission. Yeah, from the I thought it was a three percent. No, it's a four percent. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I still to, reckon it should be lower. I think. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think they should take it down because what? Yeah, it's what, it's what unfair. It it's it's very a, uh, high bar. Yes, yeah. Well, I think we're always going to fight for like a seven percent one. So we're always going to compromise a five. But isn't it? Isn't it it's interesting? <laughs> don't you guys find it interesting that um, the, you know, of eccentric millionaires who like sort of demand to be in tight control of their party, um, New Zealanders are more sort of they they'd rather punish someone who they see as someone who's sort of like I don't know that that tall poppy syndrome I guess mm-hmm. um, I'm just comparing top to the conservatives sure. like the conservatives came very very close with a very in very 2014 was like 4.9 yeah. with yeah. a very similar arrangement but it wasn't someone sort of telling people stuff they didn't want to hear you know they didn't there wasn't this um sense of the electorate trying to punish them for being too smart or you know too up themselves or something you know what i mean mm-hmm. um i think that was the difference because i think that that type of that level of spending and the message that was being transmitted represented a, a probably a similar level of support but when you compare them side by side it is almost like that um yeah punitive uh tall poppy response from the new zealand public i don't know that's my interpretation um just because we are running a bit low on time and i need to get to a lecture um I would just like to really quickly talk about um, the hospital announcement. How good. How yes. bloody good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So yeah. good. How good, so good. So they've announced um, a location. David Clark, uh, Minister of Health, has come out and given a new location for the Dunedin Hospital rebuild. It's going to be central, as was promised. It's going to start in this first term, which, as promised... Hopefully. <laughs> and it's a, I think it's an eight-year... Um, span of time for the building process which yep. is below the estimations made by the national party It'll when they still were in. Be over 10 years but eight years is the the goal yeah. the aspirational target still absolutely the experts it, not to rush the construction just for yeah. Yeah. it was pretty uh it was pretty like obvious that it should be put in the cadbury Obviously, factory it just when fell into the, place. Yeah. yeah 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 um but i do feel like knowing that basically from day one of the announcement of cadbury closure I was always very skeptical about um, 
Cadbury's sort of final, uh, Mondelez's final carrot dangling of, oh, no, no, we're not firing everyone. We're going to keep the Cadbury World Tourist Attraction open. And everyone was like, why? Who's going to go to this thing without a factory? But to be fair to Mondelez, the numbers actually did stack up for them. It is Dunedin's number one tourist attraction by numbers was Cadbury World. And everybody, it was like the one thing that people basically they're like, oh, I'm in Dunedin. What can I do here that I can't do anywhere else? Oh, chocolate factory. <laughs> you know, everywhere else has penguins and shit, whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, so, but but I knew that I always knew that Mondelez was being disingenuous by saying, oh, we're going to preserve these jobs. Uh, and now, of course, we see Mondelez is now now that they you know that it's locked in that the building's being sold. They have finally delivered the blow. That uh, Cadbury World is closing, and their Mondelez completely pulling out of Dunedin. So it was just a corporate sort of um, raid, essentially, when Mondelez bought uh, Cadbury from Kraft and shut down the factory. Also, slight side note: um, Cadbury's is no longer fair trade. Just put that out there. Right. Not fair trade. Well, and they're not employing anyone in no, Dunedin anymore. So, uh, yeah. but we are getting new hospitals, so uh, yeah, that nice will be good. Price. Yeah, it is. And we'll end on that note. Oh, if I could just uh, plug one thing shamelessly. Uh, If you like politics and you put up with the sound of my voice, then come to the 2018 capping show, Scarfy Things. Uh, It's opening night next Wednesday, and it goes for 10 days till the 26th. Uh, you can get your tickets from the OUSA main office or from cosmicticketing.co.nz. Please come. It's going to be an absolute ripper of a show. Um... Buy your bloody tickets. That's very theatrical. And what is the cabbing show like these days, considering that inappropriate jokes are no longer politically correct? It's a safe haven for inappropriate jokes, so please do come. If you, if you want to feel accepted for your, for your controversial uh, views, come to, come to cabbing show. They'll be lit large. All right.